Welcome to the Harrington Star FinTech Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Discussions. I want to showcase people across our industry who are advocates for change. I love to celebrate the wins, but we know there is so much more to be done to ensure that change actually happens to build a truly inclusive industry. In these diversity, equity and inclusion discussions, I have a number of series. The Humans of FinTech, The Talent Surgery, The Maternity and Paternity Stories, and the longest running of all, the Women of Fintech podcast series. I do lots of work to drive change campaigns across our industry to increase inclusion within the workplace. So please contact me to see how we can partner together. You can contact me through LinkedIn or on my email, nadia.edwards-dashti at harringtonstar.com. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Welcome to our groundbreaking short series, The Maternity and Paternity Stories of Fintech. We aim to tell the real journeys the men and women of Fintech have embarked on when starting or further growing their families. Today in the world of Fintech, more and more companies are realizing how important a people-first attitude is, and this is a previously unexplored avenue of that. We are here to learn how we can better support our people and share great ideas. And today we have Will Marrick, Chief Executive Officer of IFX Payments. Will is determined to debunk the traditional structures of the FX and payments industry and position IFX as a well-established model for industry best practice. As a self-proclaimed fintech enthusiast, Will has a laser eye focus on nurturing a culture of innovation and transparency within IFX and paving the way for a customer-focused and well-governed fintech industry. Having recently become a dad, he's here to tell us more. So, welcome, Will. It is great to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So, give us, in your words, a bit more insight to your career and your experience. Oh, God. It's a slightly odd one, admittedly, but my background was legal services, basically. I was called to the bar back in 2013 now, albeit I never actually practiced as a barrister. And I've worked uh, as an in-house counsel for a number of businesses in the financial services sector, primarily around sort of corporate advisory services and real estate fund management, that sort of thing. And then it was actually through an office share arrangement with my old company that I met the team at IFX and learned a lot more about what they were doing. And at the time, they were a very successful FX brokerage business, bot contracts, forward contracts all over the telephone, that sort of thing. But the ideation was there and the makings were there for quite revolutionary fintech product, which is now a platform that we have released called iBank. And having been pitched to by the COO at the time, I was was hooked on the idea, very much bought into to what this platform could do. So I joined IFX as the in-house GC back in 2017. And that was very much just sort of focused on regulatory permissions, improving processes, general advice throughout the business. And then through a series of personnel changes at management level, sort of certain opportunities started to present themselves. The first was the COO at the time left to pursue a new, a new idea. So an, an opportunity arose there in a more strategic function, which was good fun. And during that time, we launched iBank which has completely revolutionized our business as a whole. To just give you a little snapshot of that, you know, at the time in which we launched it, we were processing 6,000 payments a month and now we're processing 200,000 payments. So you can sort of really see how- Wow, huge numbers of growth. Yeah, the whole business has completely pivoted now from a 
from an FX business to a to a pure payments fintech, banking as a service, as we call it. So it's really kicked on and we've grown now into a, a much more complicated beast, as it were. And I think the feeling, we kind of got the feeling about 12 months ago that this needed a bit more governance and a lot more sort of investment to make sure that the right structures were in place to not only protect our clients, but the industry and the manner in which e-money firms were really sort of taking to the payments world. So we introduced the role of a chairman, so the CEO of the time stepped into that role, having steered the ship very successfully for the for 16 years, and the reins were then passed to myself. So it's been coming up to a year now in the role. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. You know, one aspect that really sort of hooked into my interest is, is the sort of people aspect of it. So I, hence why we're, we're here today. Well, I absolutely love the story because I think it debunks that myth that, you know, to be the CEO of a payments company or within the fintech world, you have to be from a computer science or technology background. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, you're, you're, you're the legal team and you're, you're running the entire show. So it's great. It's great to hear that because I think that people have got like the, the wrong perception sometimes. So it's brilliant to see your background. Now, tell us a bit more about IFX themselves and the mission probably start from the beginning to be honest it started in 2005 very much like i said as, a, as an fx brokerage business spot contracts forward contracts very sort of vanilla currency products servicing a mix of corporate and, and private clients and it did very very well it grew at a, a compounding rate of about 35 percent per annum short itself through the financial crisis into sort of 2012 2013 where it started to become very apparent that the fx market was becoming very saturated. FX was very much a commoditized product at that point. There was lots of businesses sort of entering the space. And, you know, you've seen from all the sort of emerging stories of the of the last few years of, of people not doing it right, mis-selling products and all that sort of stuff, especially when you get into the derivatives world. It was all very, very messy. So whilst we very much still position ourselves as, as experts on, on the sort of brokerage side of things, the business saw an opportunity to move into, into technology and saw that market trend and positioning onto a more automated and sort of scalable platform. So the guys who were running the business at the time made that call and quite rightly invested a significant amount of, of all, their, all their revenue and any profits that were made out of the brokerage business into developing a, a tech team that would bring this idea to life. And what sort of IFX is now is the culmination of a lot of industry experience and a solutions-led approach into solving what are actually quite complex payments problems through what we call, quite ironically, a digital cash management system. But I mean, our, our mission really is to build a, a frictionless and complete digital payments experience that removes that burden of managing complex processes that are afforded by traditional banking networks and it really allows businesses to realize their true potential and focus on the things that truly matter to them i mean if you think about cross-border payments as as a product itself we all expect payments to move instantly and we all expect the right data to be passed between all the banks and things to happen very seamlessly now unfortunately that doesn't happen so what we are trying to do is work with our banking partners which are you know, very carefully selected that are sort of aligned in their approach to client first initiatives and you know, faster settlement speeds and competitive costs so that we can really sort of offer our corporate customers the best of everything. And this is very much a corporate platform. It has 
auto reconciliation features. It has you know, invoicing functionality and instantly downloadable MT103s, all those sort of things that finance departments and treasury management departments love. And it's very much what we think is industry best practice as a cash management system. So we are delighted to have got it out to the market. It has been very warmly received. I don't think we, we'd anticipated how well it would be received. And it's really sort of boomed the business from taking up the number of payments up by you know, 3,000%. Turnovers doubled, headcounts doubled. And that's all in the space of 12 to 18 months during a, a global pandemic, which there's a sort of an assessment there to do it's to say, has it grown more because of the pandemic or actually are we only getting a, a slither of what, what we could have achieved? And I think now that things are opening up and the economies are opening up across border, we'll be able to really sort of realise its full potential in the, in the next sort of 12 to 18 months. So it's a very exciting time for the business. We, you know, we have a whole new host of ideas and function that we're, we're looking forward to releasing in 2022 for the benefit of our, our existing customers and those who are looking for, for another opportunity as well. Incredibly exciting. And just how brilliant is that to be able to share such steps forward for the business as a whole? And I love how you're actually viewing that. You know, it's great that you, you have made such steps forward, but I wonder if it is a small slice of that pie. So that's really interesting. But it's also been an exciting time for you. I want to say personally, but I know as a CEO, it's probably IFX personal too. But tell us about your, your paternity journey and the experience and congrats on recently. Yeah, yeah thank you very much. Yeah, Ava was born on the 19th of December last year. So she's coming up and maybe being a year old now. And I suppose my pat journey was, or experience, it was slightly more, I don't know, sort of the old traditional one, I suppose, that people might see in the history book. But to be honest, it kind of was what my family and I wanted, needed. And actually, despite having a couple of other options open to me, I you know, chose. So I took my two weeks of paternity leave over the Christmas period, which is quite nice for, you know, given my role. There's a lot of people who are away over the Christmas period for, for obvious reasons. So it was slightly quieter and it gave me an opportunity to really spend proper time. You know, I'm admittedly one of these guys who, you know, can't sort of put his phone down when on holiday and it drives my family insane. Can't but, switch know, off, but this time that you forced to. Yeah, this is it. But because it happened over that time, I think... Had it not been Christmas and had it not been, I think we'd just been, had it a tier four announced on the day she was born, actually. So Christmas was cancelled. It was sort of very, very somber. But for us, it was coon of sort of excitement that was going on. And I think had it not been for that, I think I probably would have gone into it with my sort of holiday mentality. But having experienced it, it's an incredibly special time to bond with your with your child to spend time as, as a family and take care of your partner as well, who's obviously been through a big, big event. So I suppose that when that happened, you know, I was able to be readily available for both of them at a time where you know, family and friends couldn't really come and see us. And I think I re- I'd probably reflect on that too as a signal of to the business and to the staff that they are encouraged to spend time with their families, enjoy that time and disappear out of the sites of IFX for a while. I think had I been back in the office two days later or even just on my phone sending emails and things like that I think and I've seen that at other places I've worked by the way and I, I think you sort of feel like that's something that you need to do as well as a as an employee that the sort of the standards are set by people in my role and I sort of having now sort of stepped away I think I'll treat even things like holidays differently now and actually take that time off because I think it does have an impact on the standards you set in the business I don't want people at IFX to feel like oh I've got to be back online because 
Will was back online after two days or three days. Actually, you need to take that time off because it is incredibly important. I'm very glad I did the two weeks and I was uncontactable. It was very, very special for us. Looking forward to the next one. <laughs> oh, amazing. I can imagine your wife listens to this. What? <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. exactly. But I think it's really great that you've been able to say like you're going to view time off and time for the family differently now, having gone through that experience. And look, COVID obviously featured heavily in in your experience. How do you think COVID has changed things for parents in fintech? If there is going to be a silver lining to COVID, if, (laughs) I hope in the long run, and I, I stress the word hope, I suppose, but businesses can afford a lot more trust to their staff. And I mean that in a way that not that they were distrusting historically, but generally that sort of stigma of working from home, for example, that was sort of so prevalent within a number of industries has sort of been eradicated. I accept the fact that there are carve outs there for certain industries. You can't work remotely for those, but we all now know that it can be done and it can be done well. I think business leaders can look at look at their own business and say, like, did that work for us? What were the challenges? And, you know, can we actually afford without any great cost to the business, you know, more flexible working arrangements for our staff? And I've seen in the papers a lot more a, a more palatable to that arrangement now, two days in or implementing core operational hours or things like that. And I'm, I'm hopeful that that sort of arrangement can be something that COVID can have a positive impact for parents on. I mean, at IFX, we offered flexible working before the pandemic even hit. We were well positioned to take that on. When the pandemic hit, we were able to mobilise very, very quickly. Everyone had equipment at home anyway. For us, it, it, it really didn't sort of change things an enormous amount. But we've carried that on you know, now that things are opening up. We offer a choice for staff. You, know, it's, you can spend five days in the office if you want. You can be five days at home. You can do a blend That's, that works for you. I think for us, it's about making sure that staff are, are happy and they op- operate in an efficient way so that we get the best version of them. You know, I think that's how we do it. So if you want to take a two hour lunch to do some exercise or to see some daylight in the, in the winter months, you know, you can log off at, at four o'clock, go and pick up the kids, come back and then log on a little bit later. And I think we're able to do that because I think we're very clear in, in our communication about KPIs. We spend a lot of time analysing the outputs. And for me, I don't think the same input always results in the same output because people are different the sort of external industry factors are different and for us it's a case of saying this is what our expectation is of you if you're in sales this is the the revenue target if you're in compliance this is you know these are all the accounts that need to be cleared ops these are the payments that need to go it becomes very clear whether or not people are achieving what they need to achieve or not and if people can do it in a way that works for them then then that's great why not offer that because like you say they're happier, they've got more flexibility, maybe maybe you reduce their own personal overheads through childcare and things like that by offering them that flexibility. So, you know, that's how we do it here. It's worked very, very well at a time where we've launched a brand new product. And I think the tendency would be when you launch a product, oh God, you know, you need everyone in and you really need to get reins over it. But like I said, even before the pandemic, we said, actually, you know, this is, we think this is the way to do this. And it, you know, it's worked this far anyway. So, <laughs> so no, we're very, very happy with it. And, you know, I think the feedback from the, from the team has been a very positive one. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is just the way you've explained all that. It's so, it's so positive that you can share that story. But what I loved so much was when you said you want to set up an environment so you can get the best version of your team. 
And that's mm. just so, so true. And that's the whole point of the conversations that we're having. Now, uh, what would your advice be to the fintech community on why it's important for company culture to support their staff? For exactly that reason, I think it's about getting the best out of out of people. I think, I mean, you set the standards as a, as a sort of management team as to what, what needs to be done in an organization. As a fintech, you know, the type of companies and banks that we sort of compete with to a- attract top quality talent, people are starting to value other things more than just you know, their, their paycheck or the, the, the basic salary that they get. We're entering an age where they start to look at what are the working, you know, w- working from home arrangements? What are the sort of travel requirements? What are the other sort of support mechanisms that are in place? They'll look at things like maternity and paternity policies and to understand basically what their work-life balance is going to be like. And I think those are the sort of things that drive a positive culture. And I think I don't really understand the, the sort of ethos of, you know, someone's got to be chained to their desk and working 18-hour days to deliver the best results and be the best version of themselves. It just, to me, it doesn't really make sense. And that's how fintechs can attract, you know, people to come and work for them, but also prolong and, you know, sort of retain good staff. You know, I think that's the, that's the main thing. You know, if you've got very good people working for your business, you need to reward them, but you also need to support them to continue to be the best versions that they can be. So my advice is to invest in culture, is to communicate very clearly around sort of expectations And in doing so, then you're able to afford a lot more trust to them. I think we spend a lot of time investing in our recruitment process. We go through a number of rounds, not really to test someone's knowledge or their expertise. I think you can sort of tell that from someone's CV and and a handful of questions that they, they sort of know what they're talking about. But the interview process is actually a lot more rigorous around trying to find out that employing someone with the right ethos, the right temperament and the right sort of culture fit so that you can get the best version of themselves and so they can come to IFX and feel like they feel supported and they fit in with us and we're sort of selling ourselves more than you know they they are to us in theory by spending a lot of time getting that recruitment right and then giving sort of the staff the tools to do what they they need to do and, and support them you're naturally going to get the best out of them and that's only going to be of, of benefit to to the entire fintech community i love what you've said there and i think that it's absolutely central right now with the amount of people that are hiring you know from a recruitment perspective everybody's hiring but not everybody's attracting the talent that they want to attract they're putting out offers but people aren't necessarily accepting and i think it's wonderful that you're putting that time into really partnering with someone before they've even joined you to understand what they need and what they'll need from you. And I think that is really standout in this marketplace at the moment. Yeah. I'd love to do, you know, the guy in, in America, the, the, the gravity payments piece where paid everyone sort of great big basics and, you know, sort of to, to give that support. But the reality is, is, you know, if you're sort of in this sort of quasi startup environment and, you know, there's limited means, you've got to get the business off the ground and you've got to get products launched and, you've got to be investing more and more staff to be able to scale and do lots of things you would love to get to a point where you can you can you can be really generous to support people but the reality is is you know you you do have sort of business constraints and business with financial constraints that means you might not be able to compete with the banks in terms of some of the salaries that they're offering but what you can do is is offer a really vibrant and supportive place to work with really good people really talented people and in a way that 
works for their own family life. And I think, like you say, especially you know when people start having families and sort of post pandemic, I think there's a lot more value placed on that than the old just sort of paycheck level. And I think that's one way in which I mean, don't get me wrong, we 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 do have to remain competitive by all means. We don't uh, we don't keep it uh, the purse strings tight in that way, but we we do try and find other ways in which we can offer a very sort of a positive working environment for people. So with that in mind, it takes me on to my final question. And, you know, we've, we've discussed so many things. We've discussed your paternity leave. We've discussed the culture, the fintech community and COVID. But my final question to you is what more can we all do to support working people through parental transitions? It sounds very sort of basic, but I just think communic- communication is so key. I've been in, in a number of places where communication is 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 thin and you sort of feel isolated and and you don't understand you know why decisions are being made across the business don't understand where the business is going why it's taking these steps to to do one thing as opposed to another so i think if you can communicate your business's objectives and the strategy very clearly to people they'll feel supported in a way that they understand how their role and how their how they fit into the business so you sort of remove that concern or curiosity or you know sort of unfounded worries that people may have especially when we all do work remotely and and so it's a big big part of flexible working so in regards to new parents i think firms should be looking at ways in which they can improve their maternity paternity and, and shared parental leave policies to try and offer that additional financial support during a, um, what should be a very exciting and fun time for employees. But naturally, you know, people have mortgages and people have other, other burdens that they need to prioritise and understand. People's support network might be abroad, their families might be away, they might, they, they might not live close to family. So everyone's situation is different. So it's important that the business is receptive to understanding what people's individual needs are, but also being able to treat everyone sort of equally and fairly in a way that sort of fits within the business's parameters. So fintech should look to do the, the most they can do. I, you know, I sort of go back to my point of I acknowledge that there are sort of business constraints on, on any sort of fintech, depending on where they are in their sort of business, business sort of growth cycle. But for me, it's about sort of trying to take any stress away from your staff and let them in, in really enjoy because their new life and get to a point where they can look forward to coming back to work because the headaches of childcare and and everything else are away from them. It sort of goes back to the point is that if you take away that that stress and you can take away concerns about when they can pick their kids up, who's going to pick their kids up, where they're going to go to nursery, then you'll get the best version of your your employees back. But when they're distracted by other, other queries and concerns, you're not going to get the best out of them. And that's when, you know, mistakes can be made and you know, eyes can be taken off the ball. And it happens to everyone. It's only natural, but it's about putting those measures in place so you can continue to go on the, the sort of the, the growth path that you're going on. Well, Will, I think that's been absolutely fantastic. I mean, you, you've made it just so clear how people first you are as an individual, but you've, you've grown the business in that way. And it's just so positive to hear that, that this is what is going on in the world of payments and fintech. This is the bar that's being set. This is the standard. And it's brilliant that, that you've shared so much of the great things that you do for your team and, and for the happiness and safety and support of your team. And, you know, I love that when you say people can look forward to returning to work. We want to take away that stress. They can be the best versions of themselves. It's been a brilliant, brilliant podcast. And thank you for joining me.